So I'm going to just bring Jim on, and Jim, um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. I'm very glad to be here. So most of us know <laughs> that the city has been having a problem with a budget deficit, but it seems to really have affected the library. So could you give us a little bit of information about what that's meant in real terms? Well, our library started out this fiscal year with about a $6 million budget. And that's that sounds like a lot of money, but in the city of Salem, their general fund budget is well over $100 million. So that they're not one of the larger departments like the police department or the fire department. Those, those two departments actually ta- uh, take up about 60% of the general fund. The library is just a little slice of the pie, really. But anyway, they started out with a $6 million budget Last summer, for reasons that aren't clear to me, they decided to have a hiring freeze for the library. And the library's staff level at that time was about 42 FTE. By the end of the year, nine people had either resigned or retired, and they weren't replaced. So that's when the decision was made at the end of last year to reduce the hours of the library. And today the library is only open, um, the main, the main library is only open 38 hours a week. It's closed on Monday. It's closed on Sunday. It's not open any evening hours. It closes at six at night. There was a time it was open till nine at night. Um, the West Salem branch is a total disaster. It's only open uh, two days a week for five hours each day. So a total of 10 hours at the West Salem Library. Um, it's just been a disaster what's happened to our library. Well, it also strikes me that um, for most people that live in Salem, the downtown library and the West Salem library aren't exactly close to where they live. I mean, if you live over on the east side or the south side of Salem, um, it's it's kind of a, a you know a major undertaking to go to the Salem uh, library, the main one, or even the West Salem one. Now, even in West Salem, that's maybe what two miles from the two mile apart. And so if you live in Salem, at least it's a lot closer than, say, if you live out in the northeast section, like on Portland Road. So I, I don't know what to say. This, this to me, is kind of unacceptable. And I've moved here from Sacramento, which had a number of libraries, uh, you know, scattered throughout the city. And the two places I lived in Sacramento was maybe a mile to those libraries. Right. And they, there was a lot more within the county that— you know, they could interchange with books and things like that right. as well. Yeah, that's the way it is in Portland. Portland is has actually one of the best public libraries in the whole country. And they have 15 branches in the city. And everybody in Portland is within a mile or two of a library. So kids can ride their bike to the library. They can walk. They can take the bus. And, and it's there for everybody in the community. And, you you know, you raise a good issue that we've never had the branch libraries that we need here in Salem. Um, But the good news there is that the bond measure that we passed uh, 
when was that, 2022, <laughs> um, has two branch libraries in it that are supposed to be built um, later on. It's going to be probably, you know, maybe six or eight years from now because the bond measure was for a 10-year capital improvement plan. And I, I understand the branch libraries don't come in till later, but there's supposed to be a new branch in Northeast and a new branch South. But the problem is we can't even afford to run the libraries that we already have. So how the heck are we going to fund two branch libraries? I mean, we, we can build them with the bond money, but we don't have the money to operate them. So that's, that's where we're at. It's a, it's a terrible problem. So the other place that I'm kind of familiar with is Albany, which is much smaller than Salem. It's, what, about a third to a half the population? And it doesn't take up near the space that Salem has. And they have their main library actually downtown still. Uh, well, it's not the main one, but it's it's still there. It used to be the main one. And then they have one that's a, um, sort of toward the southeast. Um, but it's... It, you know, a much smaller community. Right. And they still can provide, and they have much longer hours. Right. Well, and I, I don't have data on Albany, but Corvallis is a similar size town. I think about 60,000 or something. Same as Albany, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I, I can just tell you, there. I, as I mentioned, our budget this fiscal year was $6 million dollars. After the hiring freeze, it's been cut down to about $5 million. The budget for Corvallis is, uh, last year was $8.4 million. So that, you know, that just shows you. We we actually have the worst funding per capita of any uh, library and major library in the state. I, I recently... I uh, got some data from the state library. They put out library data every year. And I did a study of this. And I compared our library funding to all our all of our peers, Portland, Eugene, Beaverton, Bend, Medford, et cetera. We have the worst funding by far of any of those libraries. And then I compared actually to all the libraries that serve more than 30,000 population in the state. And guess what? We're at the bottom of that list, too. We're 25 out of 25 with our library funding. And this was before the cut that happened this year, because this is data from 2023. So we're, we're just in a terrible, terrible situation with our library funding. So is there any way that we can help relieve that? <laughs> Well, we have a revenue committee, a revenue task force. The city's appointed a revenue task force. They've had one meeting, and their job is to find new revenue for the city. You know, we we tried passing that payroll tax. That was a disaster last year. 80% or so people voted against that. Um, So after that happened, the city council appointed a 25-person revenue task force. They've had one meeting. They're going to have another meeting this week on Thursday night at the library, if anybody wants to go. I think it starts at 6 o'clock. When the library closes. Yeah, when the <laughs> library closes. The library will be closed, but they'll be meeting. But anyway, they their job is to come up with revenue. And my hope 
is that they will have a great plan to fund our library. And, and for me, it's the biggest problem we have. There's no city department that has a greater revenue problem than our Salem Public Library. And so that, to me, you know, I'm biased because I was the state librarian for 20 years. But um, to me, that's job one of this revenue task force is to find a solution to fund our library the way it should. And our, you know, if if you were to, I mean, I talk about the $5 million budget this year. Um, if we wanted to have an average library, you know, just, you know, just average, not not like Portland or even Eugene, just an average library, um, we'd have to just about double our funding that we have. Today. For the library. Yeah, for the library. So... So, you know, that's what that's what they need to figure out. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a former city councilman, and he didn't believe in funding the library because you could just go and buy books if you needed them. And I, I just thought he's oblivious to the fact of what a library is about. I mean, it's for everyone to use. And, yes, but not everybody can afford to buy books all the time. And we're trying to make sure that people are educated, that that kids get um, education, get interested in reading books at a young age because that helps them in so many ways. And if they're interested in something that, say, that's kind of specialized, you know, that they can go to the library and get a book about it and start learning more, no matter what their family's income is. Right. And I think that's what's really missing is that sense of community that— we used to have, you know, maybe when the original Salem Library was founded back in the early 1900s, it was more about community. Right. And not just the individual. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a startling statistic for your listeners. The last time we tested our third graders in the Salem-Kaiser School District on their reading proficiency do you know how many, what percent of our third graders could pass that test? 24% is all. I was going to say 30. But <laughs> 24%. That's shocking. Yes. So we have, what, three quarters of our third graders can't pass the state reading test. Now, why is that? It's because they haven't gotten enough exposure to books and reading in their life. That's that's we have lots of research that shows that if kids have never held a book before they get to kindergarten, they're never probably never going to be a proficient reader. And that's what libraries are here to change. I think that's the that's the most important thing that libraries do, in my in my opinion, is to expose children beginning at birth to books and reading and getting families into the library habit of bringing their Kids to the library once or once a week, once every other week. Now that's become very difficult at our library when it's only open. It's not open on Sunday afternoon anymore. It's only open on Saturday is when a lot of, you know, the only day that a lot of people can get to the library. There's also programs that libraries do, story time programs. And um, our library is very deficient in that. In fact, I have the data on that, we rank 22nd out of 25 libraries 
in the attendance of children at story time programs and other reading programs. So we're not doing a good job on that. Other other city the the you know, the city that really does a terrific job on that is Beaverton. They have amazing story times. They take it out in the community, go to, you know, head starts and daycares and bring programs and books to children all over the city. They do story times in Chinese, uh, Vietnamese, Spanish, Russian. <laughs> so, you know, every every family can come to the Beaverton Library and bring their children and... and Have and, a story and here, time in their language. And, le, and let me tell you about Beaverton. In Beaverton, that same reading, third grade reading test, where we only score 24% of our third graders... In Beaverton, they score 56%. And you can't tell me that it's not at least partially because of what that library is doing for kids. I know it is. And we need to do the same thing right here. But we, you know, until we get more funding, we're not going to be able to do it. What are some of the other shortcomings of the Salem Library as far as, uh, you know, we've been discussing kids, but also how about uh, senior citizens? Well, that's there's a tragic story about that. Um, for 50 years, we had a program at our library called Operation Bookshelf for 50 years. And it was a terrific program that ended last December because of these budget cuts and staffing cuts. And the way it worked was we had... Very skilled people at the library, you know, they might have been librarians or they might have been library assistants, that would interview homebound seniors. These are these are people in our community who can't get out of their house. They can't come to the library because they're elderly. They don't drive for various reasons. Um, so they would interview them, find out what they like to read, and be able, based on a profile, to select books to take to their homes. And we worked with the Assistance League in town, volunteers, and they would actually do the delivery. So it was kind of like Meals on Wheels, but for books. (laughs) And we did this for 50 years. And I think we had, um, at the end of the program, we had like 76 people signed up for this. And it was the only way they they were going to get books, and well, so only... and and so here, you know, so so in December they said, oh, we, you know, what the problem wasn't the volunteers; it was the staff to to make these selections because it, you know, we 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 selected books for every one of these people based on their reading interests, and that took time and effort from the library staff, and they decided they couldn't do it anymore with the budget cuts. So um, so the program ended after 50 years. And we've got today seniors homebound at home, no books, with no books, wondering how the heck they're going to get books to read. And I, I just think it's, it's tragic. Well, not only that, but the socialization that goes on with delivering the books and having somebody on a regular basis sure. come by. And, and Absolutely. Because I would imagine some of these people maybe not don't have families in the area. Right. And so yeah, this loneliness was it. is a big deal. This was it. If there was some other way for them to get books from their 
sons or daughters or neighbors. Or, you know, I'm sure people do that, too. But these were people that this was their only way to get books. And now that program's ended after 50 years in operation. And I, you know, I just think that's, that's astounding and it's terrible. What are some of the other things that the library could be providing that even now aren't providing? Well, or you know, say before the budget cuts, you know, one of the most important things that libraries do nowadays and have been for like the last 20 years or so is provide access to the internet for people that don't have another way to get to the internet. And, you know, we, you know, some people think, well, doesn't everybody have a computer these days and Wi-Fi and cell phones? No, there are lots of people that don't have that. There's homeless people that don't have that. There's students that don't have that. So what do they do? They go to the library. And if you go to our library, you'll see it on any given day. There's, you know, computers in the library that are just, there'll be a person at every single one of those I've noticed that. Yeah, using the library. It's, you know, it was really interesting. Um, I was the state librarian when all that started. You know, I was a state librarian before the Internet, believe it or not. Um, But when the Internet came in, it was actually Bill Gates who had that idea that libraries would be the place to, you know, we called it closing the digital divide. And um, and this was a long time ago. This was what, in the 90s or something. And um, and I thought at the time, well, you know, libraries may have to do this for. 10 years or 20 years, but eventually, you know, everybody will have it. It's, I mean, a funny story is that when television started in the late 40s, I guess, there were libraries that had televisions so that people that didn't have a television could go in and watch the library. And I, I thought the internet might be like that. It's like, we'll have to do this for a while, but eventually we won't have to do it. Well, that's not true at all. We need, we still need it as much today as we ever did. And people are in there, you know, looking for jobs, students doing their homework, um, looking for health information, looking for all kinds of important information. So our library, you know, doesn't do a very good job of that because we're not open like we should. And, I, you know, I actually have data on that. We're, what do we rank on that? We're, we're actually at the bottom on sessions at public internet terminals. Uh, we're, we rank 25 out of those 25 libraries that serve more than 30,000 people. So, you know, we're not doing nearly what other communities are doing for people. You know, why, why do they do more of that? Well, they're open more hours. They have branch libraries that we don't have where people are going in and using the internet. And that's why our statistics are so low. When our library is open, people can do it. But it's not open enough, and it's not ha- it's not happening like it should. So if you work day shift and you get off, say, roughly around 5 o'clock, there's no way you're going to go to the library and be able to use the computer right. to look for a better job, say, or for, right. you know, just to check to see if there's other jobs out there. Even. Right. Or if, be- you work, if you work on Saturday, you know— People might say, well, the library is still open on Saturday. Hey, a lot of people work on Saturday. Yeah. So so the only hours are the only days our library is open is Tuesday, 
through Saturday. And I, I heard from a guy the other day. He said that's exactly what my work schedule is. Um, Tuesday through Saturday from, you know, 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So I can't use the library anymore. And that, you know, there's a lot of people like that now. It's terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're interested in getting a book from the library, you can't, you can't put it on hold and go pick it up even. Right. I had a friend that I was talking to yesterday. He said um, he had a book on hold at the West Salem Library, and they told him, they sent him a notice. They said, your reserve book is here, and you have three days to pick it up. And this was like, this was like, the you know, the library wasn't even going to be open in three days from when he got this notice, because they're only open on Tuesday and Saturday. So he was wondering, well, what, how, what can I do? The library's closed, so it's well, terrible. Yeah, and you know, they used to have a fairly large CD section, uh-huh. which, uh, you know, as a DJ, I would sometimes go down there and look right. for stuff that I would uh, w- want to listen to to see if I could bring it in and play it or not. Right. And I was in there um, this last week, and I, I couldn't believe how much it had been reduced. Right. And I couldn't find what I was really kind of looking for at all. And another thing, too, that I've noticed uh, is that I was looking for uh, a movie. And so they it, supposedly it was at the library. But I went over and checked, and it's not there. So right. I put in a hold, and I'm still waiting to hear. Yeah. Because I think a lot of stuff ends up missing. Well, we... Unfortunately, before we moved out of the main library to do the renovation, which people will remember, um, we ha- we ha- the decision was made to really what the, what we call weed the collection. <laughs> this is a terrible name for discarding books, discarding CDs, discarding videos, and our collection shrunk. And when they moved back in to the new library. We had this shrunken collection. And, th- you know, that might have been okay if we had the budget to replace books like we should. But but we have a terrible book budget. Eugene, we spend, I think, our book budget la- or this year is about $460,000, which sounds like a heck of a lot of money. But it's not. Um, and Eugene, just to give you an example... Their book budget is around a million dollars. So it's about twice what we spend. And it's interesting now that libraries use, you know, back in my day when I was the state librarian, um, we only had to buy paper books. Right. Now a new book comes out, we have to buy the paper book, we have to buy the ebook. And we have to buy the audio book. And the large print, too. Sometimes. And the large <laughs> print. So that really is expensive. Ebooks for libraries are very expensive. They're, they're really kind of licensed. Um, and um, they, they could cost as much as $50 each. So, and we, but we have to have that. We, ha- we have to have all those formats to satisfy people. So it's, uh, what I'm saying is it's very expensive. And we don't have the budget to replace, you know, to buy the books that we should be buying. Our book collection is really pretty bad right now. You know, there's, I, I guess because of my age, I'm just more f- comfortable reading a book as opposed to trying to read on the computer. I don't mind reading short articles on the computer, but a book, no. And, like, 
I know that several times when I've been reading a book that something will come up and I say, I need to go back and look at that. So it's easy to turn a page in a book, an actual physical book. And I remember years ago, there was this author, and he was talking about the amount of information you get on a page of a book is so much more than what you can get online mm. on a on a screen. And, uh, you know, by the use of graphs and various things, right. that he said that the page is much better. It's it's more illustrative. Right. Oh, you're just an old-timer, Ken. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I don't I'm, deny I'm, that. I am a devoted e-book reader. Oh, okay. I love e-books, and I have a Kindle, and that's... If I can't get an, if I have to read it in paper anymore, I I'm not satisfied with that. And I think there's a growing number of people that are oh, just okay. like me, even old people like us. Um, well, you are, are not, younger that are than going me. to eBooks and and audiobooks. My wife, she almost exclusively listens to audiobooks. So so it's just becoming more and more popular. Our collection is really poor. We're not adding the ebooks and the audiobooks like we should it, you know people have to wait you get on a waiting list you know when you go to the computer and you you know reserve it an ebook at our library and you might wait you know months before that turns up so that's not good we're not we're not giving good ebook and audiobook service like we should because they're very expensive and we don't have the money to get them so, <laughs> what other uh, things is, is maybe that we're deficient in, and what are some of the positives too? The positives, uh, yeah. <laughs> are there? Any? <laughs> oh, Ken, I you know we're we're really we are so low on everything. We're 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 at the bottom. I I did this right this study. I mean. You know, another thing we haven't talked about much, I mean, let's go back to hours, okay? In it wasn't always this bad. In 2000, and, I went back to 2003, 20 years ago, and I asked the question, what were the hours of the Salem Public Library in 2003? And guess what? They were twice the hours exactly uh, we have today. T uh, today we have 48 hours a week. 38 at Maine, 10 at West. In 2003, 20 years ago, uh, our, those two libraries were open 96 hours a week. The Maine library was open seven days a week, and the West Salem branch was open six days a week. And this was 20 years ago. And so we did it then. We did it then. We can't do it today. And the other interesting... And we have more people today. I mean, and, and let me just, I'll just give you a comparison of our main library. is open 38 hours a week, five days a week. Yeah, we have more people to serve. Um, yeah, in fact, since I've figured that out, since 2003, we've added 33,000 to our population in Salem. And yet our, our library hours are half what they were in 2003. So our, our main library is open 38 hours a week. How does that compare to other main libraries? Well, um, the, the, the winner there is the library in Bend is open 71 hours a week versus 38 here. 
the library in Eugene is open 64 hours a week compared to 38 here. The library in Hillsborough is open 64 hours a week. The library in Corvallis is open 62, Beaverton 56. So we're just, you know, we're not even close to those libraries. We're like half of, uh, we're less than that. Well, yeah, we're about half of, of a lot of those. And then the other thing, I just got to tell you this. This is really something. Um, I, I looked at um, Oregon cities with populations under 6,000. Our, our population now is about a 180,000, something like that. Um, and um, so I, I looked at cities with populations under 6,000. These are little tiny cities around Oregon. Guess what? There's 10 cities where the libraries open more hours per week than our main library. So, again, ours is 38. Um, if you lived in Echo, do you know where that is? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> your library would be open 40 hours a week, two hours more than our library. How about um, uh, Coquille? That library is open 45 hours a week. So that would be, what, seven more hours a week, almost like a whole day more than our library. So you could live in Echo, Dufer, Enterprise, Vernonia, Maupin. Stanfield, Coquille, North Plains, Gold Beach, or Myrtle Point, and your library would be open more hours per week than the capital city of Oregon. Now, if that isn't embarrassing and shameful, I I just don't know what is that we can't that that we can't support a better library here. And you know, I got to tell you, Ken, I got to you know. Lois Stark, who's my good friend, who was on the library board, she reminds me to say this all the time. This is not the fault of library staff. No. This is not the fault of library staff. They're they're doing a heroic job keeping what we have going, you know, with only 33 people there. Um, So this is not their fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. The taxpayers and citizens of Salem who who don't support our library anymore. And we have to we have to change that. Well, Jim, <laughs> um, I guess we should wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to what can people do maybe to well, help that situation? I mean, the, uh, you know, here's here's something about our peer libraries. The big li- the the seven biggest libraries that we compare to, they all have dedicated property tax funding from either a what's called a special library district, which is a permanent property tax that's dedicated to the library, or a local option levy on property pro- a property tax. So th- so these other seven libraries. Portland, Eugene, Ben, on down the list, Beaverton, Hillsboro. They have the the people, the taxpayers in those cities have all decided to have a good library. They're willing to tax themselves property tax and dedicate it to the library. Every single one of them. We're the only community 
that tries to run a decent library on the general fund, and it doesn't work. So when you ask what we could do, we could pass dedicated property tax funding. And I, I'm hoping that that might be the solution that the Revenue Task Force comes up with. Well, Jim, I want to thank you for coming in today and sharing all that gloomy news on a gloomy <laughs> day. So uh, thanks again, Jim. Thank you, Ken.